This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing more 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pop, and with me I have Mr. Skari from the North. Hello! Val Heffelfinger, also from the North, but the good North. You gotta you gotta bring the CanCon, buddy. And then Mr. Sean Abuse Puppy. Howdy, y'all! There you go. Howdy, y'all. I'm doing his best Jeff impression of a Texas accent. No, I'm actually from the South, so I'm allowed to say it. <laughs> okay. That's, Are that's you really the from the South? Yeah, I lived for Florida in Florida for like 11 years, this so is fascinating I think that counts. This is fascinating to me, because Americans deny that Florida is the South for some reason, when it is clearly South of everything else. <clears throat> oh, you that's real complicated. It's so complicated. It's, it's Americans, depending on where you're from, Americans define... You know what? We're not even going to get into politics. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. This is a good epic this episode is, topic. This is geography, man. <laughs> Little like, did you basic know. Sean Mason Dixon Florida, man. <laughs> I have been Florida, man. It's true. So no. All right. So today's topic is going to be a good one. It's going to be short and sweet. Uh, we're leaving the tournament coverage at home today, although we are going to be talking a little bit about tournament lists that did happen recently. So there's going to be a little bit of tournament coverage. And if we've got a lot of time left, uh, I will talk about some specific tournaments that I want to talk about. But mostly we're leaving the tournament coverage at home and we're going to be breaking down top tournament lists and why they do well specifically in the ITC format. Mm -hmm. So what this means is is we're not talking about unique lists, we're not talking about lists and why they do well in general, because uh, then we would be here for hours. We're talking about specific lists and why they do well in the ITC format, why they score primary missions well, what kind of secondaries do they do well. We might talk a little bit about why they might do well in multiple formats, uh, but the idea here is to break down the core elements of a list and hopefully you can use that and apply that to your own lists so you don't necessarily have to run these lists, but you can take concepts from these lists and apply them to your lists and hopefully do well. Uh, so this episode's meant for the whole 40k community, uh, not just the tippy-tippy top and not just the casuals who are just get, barely getting into it. Okay, so before we get on to it, this episode was brought to you by the Boise Cup. The Throne of War GT in beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. Frontline Gaming, where you can get all your secondhand shop stuff and tabletop goodies at a discount. And then finally, the beautiful, wonderful, amazing patrons that make all the world go round. Every, every month we give away a special thing to one of those patrons. This month it's actually going to be one of those Las Vegas Open high roller packages. Those packages that sold out in literal minutes. 
uh, two minutes, yeah. I think, precisely. Uh, it was kind of ridiculous. Uh, if you're unaware... Can we shout out that, that 40K Champs, let alone high, high Roller, is sold out on paper right now? Oh, yeah. yeah. So we're sitting at... Uh, a recent one, let me tell you the exact number, but it's over 800 people. Um, it's a little more than what we sold last year. Uh, and we sold it out in hours. Like Which the, was nuts. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have a wait list of hundreds now. So <laughs> I'm constantly getting bombarded with people saying like, Hey, Pablo, can you get me in? And I'm like, well... You know, I can make an exception for you and the other, you know, a couple hundred people also waiting. But then we're hosting like, you know, an eleven hundred person turn. Like, no, it's not. Let's it's, do it. It's like the happen. it's like the equivalent of five or six of the biggest regional GTs selling out in a couple hours. In yeah, the it's, it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's so awesome. It's nuts. It's it's uh, it's absolutely incredible that like that big of a tournament just filled up in a blink of an eye. And if you weren't if you weren't paying attention. You are now on the wait list. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, so it's it's expanding very rapidly. And I know there might, I know there's definitely some um, hurt feelings and some people who are very disappointed. And I get you, I understand that. Um, so if you're listening to this and and you did miss out on it, or you maybe you're a little confused to how it works, just follow us on FrontlineGaming.org. I know a lot of you don't click on our website. You you know, it's this mythical thing that you never click on. But going to FrontlineGaming.org, signing up for our newsletter, listening to signals from the front line as your daily, you know, one hour thing. Um, or weekly, sorry, not daily. Dear God, don't listen to signals daily. <laughs> don't, don't listen hey, to I any. The, I was like the only person daily. who mourned the fact that they went to one a week instead of two times a week. I was the like, only per- even Reese and Frankie, uh, and then Jason <laughs> didn't mourn it. <laughs> Literally, like the only person. One message from me. Um, <laughs> I would also say, like guys and gals out there who are who are sad, they uh, may have missed the boat uh, unexpectedly because who <laughs> would think eight hundred and whatever tickets that would sell that fast? Um, they haven't really. I mean, there, there's lots of people who would have bought a bunch for their friends. There's lots of people who bought it just in case. I'm always one of those people. I never really know until much later whether or not I can definitely go. You know, like so. There's gonna be a lot of extra tickets if they just get the normal runoff. I mean, there's a there's over a major worth of of tickets out there to get. So like 10% of people drop, and yeah. uh, and there, there's just like so don't sweat it if you if if maybe you slept on it a little bit or you just didn't even know it was happening. Um, just stay stay frosty, and uh, there will definitely be a chance for you to get in there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, for for those of you especially who may have already booked your tickets or are looking to book your tickets early, uh, the attrition rate for the LVO champs is is huge. That's um yeah. without getting into number specific. So, like Val said, we could literally run another large major out of the people who just didn't show up to the LVO. So yeah, so well, they, um, they were sold out on paper last year too. And what do yep. we what do we go to? What do we start with? Seven hundred and twenty. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, like and we sold out at eight hundred plus yeah know, so so we, we like to set it up a little higher than it should be than than we project um though we are obviously expanding a lot faster than um the convention hall gives us room for <laughs> so um you know it's it's cool it's exciting it's a good problem as uh reese would say and there's always the frontline gaming magic of there's absolutely no way we're ever going to expand it's impossible. We just opened up a hundred new tickets. So, <laughs> it's, what it is is Reese births terrain. <laughs> if you, you know all the forty k terrain that you've seen on the table, Reese has touched every single piece. 
touched and, it in a good way. And t- not just touched, like like tap. <laughs> like we're talking loving lovers' embraces. Examined you know, it. Examined it. Painted. You know, he took it out for dinner. Every, yeah, every had a nice romantic piece, so. glass of wine. Um, <laughs> say, say, say what you want about Reese. He is a really hard worker when it comes to building tournaments he's really passionate about it so anyways um who knows he might spawn a hundred new tables of terrain and we might randomly find you know room for a 1000 person tournament i'm not saying that's going to happen that's not a hint but uh, you know crazier things have happened since i've started working for run like gaming so just put just put aos on don't on worry the strip. Just put AOS. Just put them outside. Yeah. We already put them up on the roof in the, the sky. That's the narrative, guys. <laughs> They're basically animals. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, I, I we have to announce the winner, guys, uh, for the high roller package. So, real quick, the high roller package is something that um, you get a huge three hundred dollar plus, you know, VIP package that you can get in Las Vegas. It sells out in minutes. Um, something that a lot of people like to get. And this time, Eric O'Connor. Patron Eric O'Connor did win that high roller package. I have your email, Eric, and you're actually someone who's active in the Facebook group and the Facebook chat. So I'm very happy you won. Um, but I just rolled a random number, got Eric. So congratulations, Eric. Hopefully you're going to Delvio. If you're not, we'll work something out. All Woohoo! Right. Congrats. Congrats, man. It's so, a big prize. You're rolling high. So before we move on to the main topic, I wanted to just talk to you guys about something, something a little kind of feels goody kind of pride point of pride that i have with the community and that's i I really i really love the 40k community's general acceptance of competitive 40k now we talked a little bit about this before the podcast and obviously there's still people who don't like competitive 40k um you you know but as as, um i was talking with val it, it does seem to be more outliers um and also borderline trolling right so some of the arguments you see are like oh these tournament players are ruining my life they caused my divorce and and my <laughs> bankruptcy and you know it, it's it's just simply not the case so I, uh, I i love that tournament 40k is becoming more of a normal thing that people do and then that 40k people accept and I, I love that i think that's great it's like it's like the 70s comedian who used to be hilarious but now we all just realize it's racist you know, they they just sort of fell off, you know, like, and they came out, they're still doing the same jokes and they're still like, they, they expect the room to just break down laughing, but really they're just recording them with their cell phones and uh, getting ready to end their career. PR nightmare. Yeah. I mean, in all seriousness, like anyone who played back in fourth or fifth edition remembers how differently competitive 40 K was regarded back then. Oh, like you were basically sense. a pariah. If you played in tournaments, fourth and fifth, man, we're talking like a year and a half ago. You know, yeah. more than that. I mean, no. it was, when I started was a big shift. Well, however, you know, that, that like feel of competitive 40 K has its beginnings in like that third, fourth and fifth edition. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. You know, that's where it was birthed. And then it, at the beginning of 40, you know, 8th edition, and then 7th kind of just cemented it, being like everybody who plays mm-hmm. Riptide Wing is an absolute jerk, right? But then, uh, you know, now it's, it's, I've never seen the game so varied. It's absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I really have to give credit where credit's due, right? Because um, you, you have had community leaders, not just GW, who've, who've stepped up in a big way. Um, but you have community leaders like uh, Matt from Mini Wargaming and Mini Wargaming in general kind of right. adopt 40k. Yeah, if you if Matt is on record on this podcast as saying he doesn't go to tournaments, and they had you know Mini Wargaming Quirk come in last year, which kind of helped usher in 
acceptance of tor- tournament 40k in general so i thought that was pretty neat and then um y- you know just other community leaders that have maybe not necessarily when i started they weren't known as as uh, people who liked tournaments or liked 40k tournaments but then they kind of either came around or changed their tune um and i, I just really I mean, like that so, well change their tune up okay credit i guess if you want to give credit there i mean if there's any if there's any source for list shaming and uh, popularizing the word cheesy it's mini wargaming i think they're probably one <laughs> of the worst offenders when it comes to I disagree man spiky bits horrendous yeah maybe spiky bits but look besides I think the the community leaders that we should we should look to for for thing in this are is the playtesting group which are all competitive 40k players and organizers Um, guys like Scary who by the way before I went to ETC and realized he was bad mother mama jamma um, I thought he was a hack fluff player you know just judging him from loving Drukari for so many years and then it turned out he was really, really good at the game and like taught me so much in a very brief pizza dinner. Like it's, uh, it, it's, 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 it's people like that who've gone out and actually approached this game as a game and a skill that can be learned. Guys like Nick Nanavati out there opening up a coaching service, just like Scari has opened up a coaching service. People are approaching this like any other recreation that they want to like improve and get good at rather than just the hobbying and the painting. It's becoming accepted that, hey, the game has skill too. And yep. the fact that that, that that skill quotient before was always about this guy's OP, he's just playing a whack list, whatever. Now people are realizing that that's just table stakes. Like having a good list is one thing, but you have to be able to pilot it. And that is beautiful. Yeah, I, I think we're on, I think we're talking about two sides of the same coin here, Val, because I'm not going to take anything away from them. I was just more specifically talking about, uh, you know, community leaders when I first started who were more known for being casual or not tournament 40 not tournament 40k focused um who i followed and then um i've just seen that their mentalities have changed but absolutely you're 100 percent right as well well i i think that a lot of the 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 thought on tournament game was because a lot of the people who had a presence was so um was so highlighting of all the like negative stuff that would happen at yeah. events like drama and things like this and that sort of just shed a negative light on the fun social interaction uh and like competitive gameplay or like you know because a lot of competitive players like you go and you play like a very tough competitive game and you know from the outside it might see like seem like you guys are at each other's throats you know from like a narrative perspective but it's really just you guys having a battle of wits and really enjoying that aspect of the game, which not everybody like enjoys. However, mm. a lot of people would see it from the outside and then report on it being like a really like negative sort of like experience, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just look at some of the perception of uh, Jeff Robinson and John Hooson's game at BAO. A lot of people took what their, their interaction is like a very negative thing when in reality, those two guys are great friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it's all good, and then um, obviously Twitch, everything else, all that stuff is legitimizing. You know what we talk about weekly, um, and in in Scary's case, and in my case to an extent, um, you know what our livings are. Uh, so, anyways, it's really cool. I just wanted to mention that real quick. I, I just really like that. Wanted to talk about that a little bit. Amen. All, mm-hmm. all right. So let's go ahead and jump into the main topic. So. Mm. First, we're looking at lists, like I explained, that do well in the ITC mission format. If you don't know what that means, if you're unfamiliar with Tournament 40k or formats, we do have a really good 
episode on uh, defining all the mis- all the tournament formats and the missions and the various missions you do encounter. Um, it's a chapter tactics episode. Just go to frontlinegaming.org, click on the chapter tactics episode. There's a link that lists to all my episodes, and it's like four weeks ago. So I think 113, I think is what it is. I'm not sure. Uh, check that out. So we're talking about the ITC mission. So if, you, if you're wondering why we don't talk about book missions or why a list doesn't do well because it doesn't get first blood or, or whatever, um, that's why. <laughs> All right. So the first one I want to talk about is actually a very special shout out as well. Uh, and this is a pure Dark Eldar list. And I, I didn't realize I did this, but the first five lists or the first four lists I'm, I'm going to be talking about are actually pure faction lists, which is pretty cool. Um, the I, I don't know if I see this as a trend. I, I'd have to talk to Peter, but it is nice to see pure lists doing better. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the ITC faction change or, you know, maybe fa- pure faction lists are doing cool or I don't know. But anyways, the f- first four lists I'm going to talk about are pure faction lists. They're not multi-faction lists. And um, Eleanor Byler, congratulations, mm-hmm. getting fourth place. Um, uh, she is a patron and someone I, I've talked to um, for a while now, and I'm just very happy for you getting fourth place at the Overwatch Battle Royale uh, with this unique Dark Eldar list. Um, and Skari, I'm going to let you take this list away. Absolutely. You know, Eleanor, I got to meet her at the LVO uh, 2008, uh, like this year at the LVO, and she was running like a Corsair list with like a bunch of Venoms and Poison. It was really fun. So you know, when I saw her name pop up, I was like, that's awesome. Because, uh, you know, we talked about Dark Elder a lot and, you know, all that stuff as well. So, uh, she's running a mono-faction Drukhari list that is two battalions and an airwing detachment. She has a Flayed Skull battalion with two Archons with blasters and husk blades. One of them has a Phantasm Grenade Launcher. Three units of Cablite Warriors, just bare bones. Four Venoms, bare bones. And then he, she has a battalion detachment of Obsession Prophets of Flesh with a Homunculus, with an Agonizer, and the Vexator Mask. Urian Rakarth, who's fantastic. Um, then two units of ten racks and one unit of five racks. Seven Grotesques and two units of two Talos with uh, Chainflail, Macroscalpel, and Haywire Blasters. And the airwing detachment is Cabal of the Black Heart, so she can add Vect in there with two Razorwing jet fighters with disintegrator cannons and a Void Raven bomber with missiles and Void lances. And this list is very similar to... It has a lot of elements that are really good in a Drukhari list that help in an ITC format mission. Yeah, just the presence of a lot of pretty tough stuff on the field. You know, your Talos's, your Grotesques, your Racks, your Venoms. Like, a Venom is a, a shockingly tough chassis for how cheap it is. Uh, it really helps with having a lot of board control, which is pretty key in ITC missions. You know, when you're playing ITC, you have to look at not only what your army can uh, can can do in terms of kill something, hold something, you know, get to objectives and work on different deployment zones and whatnot. But one of the biggest things you want to do is be able to score secondary points. And I feel mm-hmm. like the choice of secondary points can be something that can make or break your ITC game, right? If you pick the wrong secondaries, you could be out for eight points in a game and mm-hmm. that that can easily be the difference between a win and a loss um and 
with the elements here, she has cheap objective secure troops in fast moving transports, like uh, flayed skull venoms move 19 inches, which means they can get pretty much anywhere they want to go. Uh, the coven battalion is one of the toughest things you can put in a Drukari army, and 25 racks are no joke. Yeah, like especially... they. Yeah, especially with uh, Prophets of Flesh for four-up and vulnerable save. Um, yeah, really, really leaning into the racks there. A lot of times you see min, uni min units of them, but... Uh... Well, the ability to pop back that one squad with the uh, Tide of Traitors style uh, mm -hmm. removing from the table so is really good. huge. We call it the re-rack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there. Now, um, <laughs> now it's it's it's... Not only to bring them back to life, you know, because you can like racks make great engineers. They, you know, make great backfield screening units. Racks in this sort of list win you the game, like throughout the course of the game, and being able to bring them in at any point in the game on any board edge with a rerollable charge means that if your enemy, your opponent, stops screening effectively and things like that, they suddenly have a very nasty close combat unit that's really tough in their backfield, bullying their backfield objective units. Mm -hmm. And um, they are also, uh, they benefit, of course, from power from pain. Now, something I like to do with racks, though, is give giving them an ossifactor to make them move faster yeah. with fire and fade. So they move up to hmm. like 22 inches in a turn, um, which is crazy. But, uh, you know, but even then, even without that, like just with move, reroll advances, they have the speed, they have the durability, they become fearless on turn four. Uri and Rakath gives them plus one leadership, plus one toughness, plus one strength. Like they're just all around one of the best troops. Yeah. And it so you round that off with the grotesques and the talos that are like the bully units in the middle of the board that kind of control that center field and can then push towards any objective or towards enemy units or counterattack, and the Razor Wings and the Void Raven that really help with recon and sniping characters that you don't screen properly and, you know, taking out some of the heavier stuff on the flanks or behind walls and things like that as well. Yeah. yeah. And what I really love about, about um, this style of list is that you, as your opponent, when you're playing against this list, you really have a choice. Are you going to shoot the the deceptively hard to kill Venoms, but still relative to the rest of the list, easy to kill Venoms and, and go for kill more? Or are you, and then seed the middle of the board or seed an important objective to these hard to kill troop choices? Um, or are you going to go for, you know, killing one unit a turn? Maybe, because... I have a, there's definitely been a lot of games where I've thought I could kill four racks in a building for my kill for my primary for that one turn, and then just didn't. Like, one rack survived with one wound, and I was like, okay, well, I lose, right? So you, yeah. do, you go, do you go for this kill one, and then go for a board position kind of game? Um, you know, it, it's tough. It, it really gives you a tough decision, um, and I, I think that's what really makes this list good, is it gives your opponent a, it gives your opponent a choice between going for hold more or kill more. That's what, that's how it feels to me, anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it puts a lot of tough targets on the table and does not give you easy targets in any kind of way. Yep. Yeah, and there's also not really a there's there's very few units uh, here that aren't deadly, like that aren't actually you know also outputting damage. A killing's important. Um, mm -hmm. Although the uh, you know even the the guys in the venoms are excellent, you know chaff clearers. Uh, the venoms themselves, um, you know, they've uh, 
they've got uh, even though as as Scary mentioned, racks may seem like benign dudes that just sort of stand on objectives, but but they're not. So uh, you know they can go out and actually kill stuff. So you know every every single element of this list is both handy um, for winning objectives, but also for killing. And also if if this is being played in a uh, enclosed ruin environment, you know, having things like retests to be able to go inside of boxes and, and dig out, um, things that are camping in there is, is super handy rather than being all in on Talos. So, yeah. so Val, uh, I have a question for you. So, so for this, so you say you're playing your orc list, right? Um, maybe flavor of the month list or the last list you took to a tournament. Um, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. What secondaries do you pick against this list? <laughs> Just breaking down with it, like say face across mm-hmm. the table, um, you know, whatever mission you want, it doesn't matter. Wow, I'm sweating from my armpits right now. Really? Uh, I'd say <laughs> this the is spot, pretty easy. On the know. spot, Val, on the spot. Uh, oh, no. This is pretty easy, eh, Sean? What are you, what is, yeah. so you're running orcs. What are you picking? Uh, it's simple. Big game hunter and gangbusters. Yeah. So you, you, so you pick tell us give up. Yeah, tell us, tell us anchor tests give it up, don't they? Yes, they do. Um, and it's not guarantee that you'll max both of them, but you should max at least one of them and score two to three on the other. So so you take big game hunter for the razor wing jet fighters and the Talos. Yeah, all the exactly. all the vehicles obviously, the vehicles. and the Talos potentially. Uh, the nice thing about Gangbusters and Big Game Hunters combined there is that you, when you start killing the Talos, you can pick which they're going to count towards. Yeah. Um, yeah. One weakness I do see is that if you do have a really lethal mobile army, um, and you see this kind of list, you can just pick Butcher's Bill, Big Game Hunter, and and then just kill all the easy to kill targets and then maybe eventually when you start running out of targets and there's a less target rich environment which is you know withering down these butcher's but, bill's risky on this yeah i would say think so with it with this style of list it is simply because of the coven stuff uh you yeah. know you're not necessarily like you might get butcher's bill two maybe maybe three turns but after that it'd be very hard to max it out so the fact that you can't stack it with uh, big game hunter or gangbusters mm-hmm. would definitely be problematic. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So with butcher's bill, what I'm thinking is if if I'm taking you know big game hunter or something, um, yeah, that, yeah. If you, you only to kill, took like a flyer turn of, plus a venom, yeah. If you only did one of like either big game or gangbusters and then butcher's bill, I think that's a lot more feasible. Agreed. Anyways, really good list. Good breakdown too, Scar. He thinks that well, you're you showing know. off your your dark Eldar chops oh. there. Well, I don't know much about the dark kin. All I know is <laughs> everything. Whatever Vect <laughs> needs me to know. <laughs> so everything. <laughs> right, right on. All right, so let's go ahead and move over to our second list. Uh, so this is a, a, a list, um, first place list at the Bad Moon GT, uh, run by Mr. Simon Prittis. Uh, oh. And this is a list that I know Val knows well. He was talking about it anyways. Um, and I think we should all be able to kind of figure out what this list is. And Val, do you want to, do you, do you have this list up? Do you want to break it down? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I'm assuming there are orcs involved. It's it's there, a mm. very simple, very mm. simple orc list. Yeah, well, it would be, a, it would feel very comfortable as like a, as like an index orcs list almost. Actually, as an index orcs list. Um <laughs> It, uh, but I think when when the book dropped, uh, one of the comments I, I think that was going around was, you know, if if orcs had just got you know their clan benefits uh, and nothing else, then uh, you know index orcs would be good. And I think this week kind of proved that, and so we can get into it a little bit here. So uh, he's running uh, 
A battalion detachment with a war boss on bike. He got he's got the killer claw. He's got a big mech on war bike with a custom force field. The big the bad Zad Snark the Ripper, who's a Forge World war boss on bike, who doesn't buff other bikes for some reason. But that's what not are his rules? Like I know he has this ability to like advance and like charge and stuff, right? <laughs> he doesn't. No. Really? So so the the benefit the benefit, oh. the okay. benefit of of uh, so uh, a war boss does two things. He he can uh, he has breaking eds, which is uh, basically old school commissar rules. D three. Um, Basically, models die instead of on a failed morale check, um, and then he also has the the wa special rule, which allows any unit within six inches to advance and charge. Uh, it's in usually infantry it's, units. Inf well, let me finish. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, a, a, a a regular war boss on foot would be infantry units. A war boss on bike is bikers and infantry. That got around. Oh. Zad Snark Deripa, who auto advances uh, his fu uh, full six inches. Uh, is a is a G on a bike uh, only buffs infantry in in Forge World's Infinite Wisdom. I don't know why. So actually, when you pair him with a war boss on bike, he can do the auto advance and charge uh, because the other war boss is encouraging him to go along. So yeah, it's just a weird one of those weird <laughs> things. Forge World. Um, <laughs> uh, he's got uh, three units of uh, of thirty boys. Uh, he does an interesting thing in that he splits between shooter boys and sluggers. So he's got uh, twenty, uh, you know, nineteen sluggers, ten shooter boys in each unit. And then um, one of my favorite little uh, things that he does is a bit of a wrinkle: is he brings kill saws on his knobs instead of just a, a power claw or, or a big chopper. He also has a war boss, uh, sorry, a pain boy on bike, and he's got uh, the knob with the wall banner. Another thing that's actually so, uh, really showed off this week. So, Go so what do the kill saws do? Uh, kill saw, so versus a power claw. So a power claw is, is like any old power fist. It's going to double your strength. It gives you a minus three AP, and it's D3 damage. Kill saw, on the other hand, is, and it's also minus one to, to hit. Kill saw, on the other hand, is minus four AP, and it's a flat two damage. Costs three more points. So What's the strength? Double strength, so it's uh, yeah. it's 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 just a uh, it's a that more straight to damage though. Yes, yeah. that's really yeah. good. So uh, yeah, it is really good. Uh, there's nothing really much more to say there, but I think it's an upgrade that often is overlooked because it's over and above what even the power claw is. Power claws at twelve points go to the kill saw. It's fifteen. Um, so, uh, but it does give you that reliable damage as opposed to you know suffering at the whim of variance, which has been breaking me over its knee recently. Anyway, um, so we left off that. And then uh, he's got uh, 60 Storm Boys. Um, and then, uh, again, Killsaw on the knobs there. Um, next, uh, and then he only has, this is also an interesting thing. He only has two battalions. A lot of Orc players will run at least three. Uh, and his second battalion, also Evil Sons, it's uh, two Weird Boys and, uh, what is that, 38 Gretchen. So one big unit of 18. Um, having a big unit of Gretchen is super handy because it allows you to string them out and also allows you to jump them up and use them as uh, kind of mobile grot shields. Um, you know, you throw a unit of 10 grots up, up field to block for a unit or, or to absorb shots, and it's going to evaporate pretty quick. But if you have some more bodies up there, it can actually uh, do a good job of defending um, uh, with their bodies as sacrifices. So, yeah, this list, I think, is... I wouldn't say it's exactly what he brought to. I think he was at LVO this year, and he he went he did fairly well. But he 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 has always run very large amounts of of boys, um, lots of lots of infantry, um, and he was doing well in the in the waning days of the the index with something similar like this. 
another guy, uh, Chuck Arnett, ran about 120 boys uh, and won a, won a GT this weekend as well. And what's common uh, between these two lists uh, that is glaringly missing is Ludus. And, yeah. um, and that, um, that, is a, that is a big shift in, in, in focus for an orc list, especially where CPs are spent. Because uh, while the long-range shooting of, of orc lists, and we can talk about why that makes orcs actually, I think, good at, good at ITC in most formats in general, um, uh, it's very CP-intensive, and that's always been the biggest knock on it. Uh, but the orcs also have really, really outstanding uh, strats that benefit their infantry specifically. So they're allowed to fight again. Uh, characters are allowed to fight in death or shoot in death. Um, they can, uh, of course, they can um, do a tide of traitors on a unit of uh, on a unit of boys. Um, all of those things are big CP spends as well. Um, so if you're focused on the shooting strats, which are um, pretty obviously good. Uh, you don't generally have the CP available to use on your boys because without the sort of the thing where if you have boys and you have Ludas, the Ludas are way worse without you know uh, without CP investment. Whereas boys are still pretty damn good even unbuffed. I mean they've got a plus one to hit from the wall banner in this case. Uh, they got a six up feel no pain. They got a five up, um, you know, uh, invulnerable save against shooting just from character buffing around them. They can advance and charge. They've got all these things that are, you know, you don't have to actually invest CP in and they seem pretty damn good and they are. Uh, but when you take away things like Ludas, now you can put everything into your infantry and your boys and it and becomes quite, quite a force to be reckoned with. And a formula I think that people are starting to come back to. Yeah, I honestly feel that the nerf to um, mob up was a secret buff to any orcs out there to stop <laughs> them from trying to do the looter bomb, which was very <laughs> hit or miss. Uh, well, I think yeah. actually more than actually, and this is my recent experience, um, more than even the mob up thing, the fact that you have to roll each time you shoot for the number of shots yeah. has just ratcheted up the the variance on on looters. So they are. They are uh, in CP intensive and also, you know, even more hit or miss. So, I, I think it is po it's possible to overstate. I think uh, Ludas being a trap because there have been many winning lists that have included Ludas, and they are a very strong choice. Um, it's just that the Orcs have so many strong options. It's actually uh, kind of amazing how many I think top tier builds exist in the Orc Codex. Yeah, I was I was talking to uh, some of the orc players at BAO a couple weekends ago, and um, the the fact that there are like four or five major contenders for top orc build is pretty impressive. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Pablo. So, so I, I love lists like this, um, it, not just in the ITC format, but in general. Um, I, I kind of see this list as like a an aggressive, m slightly more lethal. I guess not lethal, but different kind of lethal uh, mirror to Jim Vessel's list, right? So both hmm. lists use these big blocks of 30, you know, infantry with all these characters kind of hiding behind them, whereas Jim obviously has mortal wound output and psychers, and Simon has these big bad war bosses on bikes. Or I guess these two yeah. big, yeah. I mean, um, I, I, I don't want to guess too much, but to me this is like just vintage threat overload. Like yes. everything he's everything he's got here suggests to me that this literally is an orc list built to run at you uh, mm -hmm. as fast as humanly possible, um, yeah. or as orcally possible. So yeah. it's it's uh, but in so doing that, it's also going to take up the board. It's going to take mid. It's going to come and bring the fight to you. 
and uh, try and stay as Killy and, uh, and you know, defend it as possible. He's only got the one custom force field, but that is going to be able to allow, allow him to protect a key unit. And he's got the Pain Boy on Warbike, which will keep up with the Storm Boys if they're on the table. Um, nice. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's definitely something that's, that's coming for you. Uh, a lot of work lists do not have to do that. Right. Like, I think if you if that is the style you want, you got to go all in on it. And that's what this list does. Yep. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that just wouldn't be able to deal with this. Well, I mean, yeah. he's got 150 basic bodies, not counting the Grotz even. That's a lot of models to get rid of against something like Knights. They just lose. It doesn't matter what they roll. They just can't kill enough boys fast enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so that was actually going to be to my point where I was going to go with this is is uh if you have these big giant 30 wound units essentially um or, or i like to think of it as like a giant model um but you need the there's no other if you don't have any snipers and the grots are hiding there's nothing else for you to shoot at yeah. or or target right so you just have to shoot and chew through 30 wounds 30 t4 wounds yeah which granted they they, they have t-shirt saves but yeah. um 30 wounds is still a lot of shots right and even if you're six up six and, up is not easy no no absolutely not um, and, and they're thirty. They're thirty leadership. Thirty. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> that's the other benefit of going all in on on big blocks like this, especially for orcs, is that they they don't suffer leadership um, because of the uh, the mob rule. So they they're able to share. Um, uh, they're able to share essentially the the uh, the leadership of of any mob within six inches of them. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a orcs themselves are very versatile list and army like design that can be used especially in itc format missions you know um you know being able to recycle a unit of orc boys that hasn't been completely destroyed you know uh not only all the the morale shenanigans they can do with large boys of uh, blobs near each other but also with the cracking heads thing or whatever yeah. you know um the grots that take a lot of the field space to prevent like deep striking and whatnot Mm -hmm. uh, storm boys to put high pressure on the opponent from the beginning of the game with the the war bosses on bikes to allow them to auto advance and charge in on like the first turn to really disrupt enemy lines and then follow through with the with the waves and waves of boys that have tons of attacks um decent strength like it's it has all the elements in there to really gain points throughout a game and sort of hem the opponent into their sort of zone and prevent them from really sort of using that board control to to win the game taking objectives or getting good lines of sight to things or whatnot yeah yeah i i would call this a pretty quintessential like aggressive board control army yeah uh, it its entire plan is to take over every objective and then start assaulting the enemy from there mm-hmm yeah, which which can very very quickly steamroll the the missions, right? Because then they're oh, yeah. you're only killing one, maybe you're killing one giant unit a turn, but in the meantime they're probably kill mooring you unless you have a similar style army, and they're holding uh, hopefully most of the objectives with all these obsec bodies. So, so that's yeah. the, that's the kind of idea there. Um, I. Let's like this picking against it. Um, I'm a little bit better at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Go ahead, Simon. Well, I just like no. like. Uh, ooh. Oh no! I'm talking about Simon Prittis, guys. Don't don't look into it too hard. Yeah, uh, I, I actually did read Simon Prittis. <laughs> <laughs> My name's actually Simon. All right. So uh, the um, the uh, thing I was just gonna say is like things like Reaper, uh, Headhunter, 
in a list like this one, because not all uh, not all orc armies are going to have uh, they'll always have a lot of characters, but they're not always coming at you. Um, but those are like these weird boys are often just going to give you a headhunter point because they ex their brains explode, you know. So like the um, uh, you know those two uh, would be I think quite obvious and almost in my experience almost impossible not to get the war bosses as cool as they are they're gonna die like they 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 yeah. have six wounds they have a four up save and they're coming for you and they're probably gonna try and hit something hard and swing twice in death that's basically what they're gonna be up to so you know you're gonna be able to get and like anything like the pain boy the not the the wall banner um even the custom force field guy they all have to be up close to where the action is so they're gonna be vulnerable to you know being trapped in assault and killed and they are all easy to kill Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or characters hit very hard, but they're very easy to remove once you're allowed to hit them. Um, and like they also have lots of wounds, so it's easy to get full Kingslayer off of this. Warboss on Warbite gives up Kingslayer. Yeah, he does. Uh, Reaper would probably be a pretty good choice. Reaper is a no-brainer against every orc list. Yeah. Against against this list, you know, you have to understand that in order for this list to do well, it has to be very aggressive. Reaper, definitely. Um, you know, Mark for Death, probably. Uh, Headhunter, absolutely. Kingslayer, if you really think you can, especially if you're like a Vindicare assassin, like, mm -hmm. you should be going around just murdering all those characters. Oh my god, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> one uh, point if you're, turn, no problem. Right. Uh, if you're a Gene Steel cult player and you have one of those Sanctus, uh, snipers and you've got a jackal oh, alphas and things yeah. like that like those those unless that you hide all their characters you will be getting those points yeah, yeah it, so i think an orc list really is trying to like an orc list like this is trying to win primary and like that includes mm -hmm. bonus points like there it, it's it's gonna because it's gonna give up 16 points it's it will 12 so but yeah well, <laughs> well sorry yes 12 if it gives um, up 16 you're having trouble when you're well, playing Val, secondaries go up to 16 <laughs> yeah. no, that's, that's no, what that's it feels like guys. Okay. i have a condition okay guys <laughs> I have, i've got full-on 40k ptsd at this point <laughs> oh. uh, it's called passport and shoeitis yeah, yeah and, thanks guys so yeah, what time is it how far do we get how far do we get what time? so so and if you um What's, if you're looking uh, at this uh, list 40 minutes guys without a passport reference it's a new record if you're looking at this list and you're 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 thinking you're kind of worried, uh, maybe you don't have the damage output, maybe you can't you don't have a way to get to the orc characters. Um, the way you would probably look towards beating this list is probably hopefully get hammer and anvil, um, because that does give you the option to spread them out. And those orc those giant orc units do get a lot weaker when you've only got like ten orcs attacking into like power armor, for example. In turn two, you'd have sixty storm boys and at least one unit you, you of boys. Will, on, in your you face. will have to hold the line. You, absolutely. <laughs> but if you can spread them out and keep a majority of your forces not getting chewed up by orcs, you might have a chance. I'm not saying that that you know you guarantee winning, but I I will say that. I, I would take a guess and say that Hammer Handle is not this list's favorite deployment zone. No, deployment and it's, it's worth remembering that of the six deployments that you use... Two of them are Hammer Anvil, you know, short edges style. Yes. But then you also have the two diagonal deployments, which also give you a lot of room to back up. Yeah. Um, those can be very rough on orcs. Yeah. Yeah, so um, no, this is a this is still a really good list. This is this will be the kind of list that um, although you know Simon's record aside at the Bad Moon GT, I would say that this is more of a gatekeeper feeling list in the sense that it does beat up on a lot of just normal average lists, like the the guys who just bringing a little bit of extra stuff, a little bit of fun stuff, balanced kind of lists, not really spamming. 
um, this list just absolutely destroys lists like that. Sure, but that a, a gatekeeper is by definition a list that doesn't get to the top tables. That's why I said his his first place aside. <laughs> just I, I would just call that. this a common style of orc list. You know, like a seeing a hundred twenty plus bodies is going to be very common for orcs. That's just what they do. An orc list that brings less than ninety boys is extremely unusual. That's my right. wheelhouse. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next list that we're going to talk about. So uh, this list is something uh, a list a patron wanted to uh, talk about, and it's another pure list. So this is Nick Notavati's Gene Steeler Colt list uh, yep. that he took to the Canadian Tabletop Championships. I played against that list. Oh, beautiful. So we can we can definitely talk about that. Well, now, we already talked about uh, this tournament and this list already um, previously in another episode. So we're not going to get too much into um, kind of like the, the tactics and why it's so good. It's a really interesting list. Um, but Skari, <laughs> why don't we talk about your the secondaries you picked in this matchup when you played it? Well, Pablo, you can actually watch the game because I filmed Uh-oh. it. It was a bat rep. But um, uh, his list, a uh, Gene Cult list, uh, is essentially what I would call a monofaction Gene Cult list that you're going to see, be seeing a lot. It combines all the good elements in a Gene Cult list like acolytes, um, aberrants, uh, all the characters and psychic support you can think of, and just crazy board control and mission-winning shenanigans. Um, one of the coolest things to note is that <clears throat> against Genesis Occult, the ability to hide pretty much their entire army on blips and then putting most of their army in Deep Strike Reserve um, can make it very hard to score points against the Genesis Occults early in the game. So they'll hide most of their stuff in a ruin or whatnot or a magic box and getting like a kill um, or kill more will be very tough. Which means you can go around and getting hold, maybe hold more. But then when the Gene Seacult come in and you've sort of spread out or taken the board, they get to sort of pick where they're going to hit you hard. And they bring in, using perfect ambush, lying in wait, they can bring in like a big flamer squad that clears a big area of the battlefield in the movement phase because they can uh, like flame stuff in the movement phase. And then that opens up huge areas of the board to bring in more deep strikers in that zone that they just cleared um, with acolytes that have uh, bonuses to charge when they deep strike. So, you know, you get acolytes that have a seven inch charge range with a rerollable charge. You know, there's, there's so many things that make it very reliable alpha strike on like turn two or three. And they hit you so hard in those turns that it's very easy to essentially lose the game in turn two and three. Um, the trick there is to essentially get like be layered enough that you don't they don't like break your back in that turn or two that they come down and just murder a bunch of your stuff and have enough left to counterattack. But Nick Nadavati's list also uses some cool strategies where you put stuff in reserve that were in blips, therefore bypassing the reserve um the, the reserve limit. turn three limit, which means they can keep hard hitting units turn four, turn five, maybe even turn six if he needs to, which forces you to constantly have to think about units coming in from reserve until the end of the game, which can get on objectives and take last point, like line, like last minute objective holding, last minute like zoning. Like it's, it's how versatile that list is against 
It can take on knights. It can take on hordes. It can take on Imperial Guard, Chaos. It just has a tool for everything. And I think that's what makes Genesis Occult so powerful in an ITC format. Because you can like just pick out of a hat, be like, ooh, I have a tool for this, or I have a stratagem for this. And that's really useful when you're playing a singles event. So so tell yeah. us about the secondaries you picked against this in your game. Uh, so I play. I picked uh, Recon. I picked Reaper because I knew I was going to kill a whole bunch of stuff, I'm pretty sure. And then I don't remember what the last one was that I picked. But I was playing a, a list that had like 12, no, 10 Venoms in it. So <laughs> oh, man. I was able I was able to zone out the entire board for like four turns. Um, however, good use of some stratagems and like excellent play from Nick made sure that he was able to kind of play the game. And at the end, it was only a, a, three, a three or four point game. It was very, very tight towards the end of the game. But you, like honestly, if you want to see that game in action, like I highly recommend you you just watch the report and see how masterfully that list was played um, where, to sort of deny where can, points. Uh, where can people find that? Is that on YouTube? Yeah, it's uh, it's on the Scardcast channel on YouTube. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check that out. Um, so yeah, so this the... is. Go ahead, Sean. No, go ahead, Pablo. Uh, so I was just I was just gonna uh, move move on. Um, so th- this is one of these lists that that plays also similarly to the orc list and the chaos list in that it has a lot of bodies backed up by really these really hard hitting characters. Um, do do you guys think that this is in especially the ITC format? Do you think this is the kind of list that people should be building when they're looking at just their army in general, or is this just only work for orcs, gene circle, and chaos? Like for example, if Space Marines had a list that where they could run like thirty sniper scouts or thirty regular scouts in like these giant blobs and run them all over the board with with Space Marine characters, do you think Space Marines would also be running lists like this? I mean, you're kind of describing what some of the older Space Marine lists did, but although that was with very <laughs> different list building options and whatnot available. If anyone remembers, like the old like Space Marine character lists, ran a bunch of assassins. That was a lot of what they did. Um, but I think there's some some selection bias at work here because, like, the lists you picked for us to talk about, it's basically five different variations of a bunch of bodies in front of effective that's characters. True. Um, that, that's true. <laughs> it's and admittedly, that is a very strong strategy in ITC and kind of in the game in general. Like bringing a ton of expendable bodies that are able to affect the field, and then very powerful characters hiding behind them is a really good strategy. And there are a lot of armies that can act that but it's not the only way to play the game um so uh let's go and move on from this one and sean i I actually i'm glad you brought that up um because i I didn't i kind of picked these lists out of a hat kind of in in a sense that um these lists were either directed to me by people who wanted to hear about them uh or i wanted to specifically talk about them because of who won um in, in the case of like eleanor for example um and i also wanted to pick a variety of lists and so I focused on different faction lists that performed well um, that I could find on 40kstats.com. So these were just kind of like a combination. Basically, the point is I wasn't trying to pick these specific lists. Um, so, Sean, do you think you could help out not only me but the rest of the listeners? What are some lists? What's an example of one list, maybe a list that you have, that's a different style from these lists that performs well in the ITC missions? And maybe could you break that down for us? 
Um, I think a couple of the the obvious candidates there for something that plays very differently from these would be, um, well, to to grab three of them: knights, admac, and eldar. Um, all three of those are going to play very differently and are going to have a very different core strategy. Um, Jeff, knights Jeff are going to use list? some of the same screening yep. elements as these kind of armies are, but they're going to use it to protect, obviously, much, much larger characters uh, because they're basically like 30 to 50 expendable bodies in front of three models that are doing all the work. Um and if you can't down one of those models in a single turn, you've done essentially nothing to it. Um, that is, in ITC, very, very powerful because you can largely guarantee kill more every turn, and your knights are often enough of a melee threat that you can at least threaten them if they try to do hold more. Um, so that is a very different kind of board control strategy that is relying more on the potential threat of the knights than actual physical control of the board. Um, exactly. By a similar token, uh, the Eldar flyer lists that are out there, which is typically somewhere in the like three to eight flyers and then four to six uh, like wave serpent chassis on the ground. Um, those are also banking largely on controlling the board, but they intend to win the game with firepower. Um, whereas uh, some of the the orc lists, or the especially the the guard and uh, chaos lists, tend to mostly be more about kind of just like holding the the board and taking over as much ground as possible. Eldar basically just want to kill all of the enemy, and the main reason they have the board control is just to keep themselves in the game long enough for that to happen. Because there are very few armies that can kill off six flyers before they finish the game. Yeah. Yeah, so um, let's let's uh, go ahead and um, skip the next list I have real quick, and I, I want to focus on uh, Jeff's list real quick. Uh, mm. So let's just break that down a little further, because um, I think Jeff's list did a really good job of kind of countering the the meta or um it, it just it felt like the the opponents I talked to when they played him were a little surprised by the damage output of his list and kind of just surprised by what he could do with the list even even Jim Vessel a guy a veteran of you know 30 40 tournament wins this year um was a little <laughs> surprised by Jeff's you know list and, and how Jeff played it uh, and just, so and I, and I want to say like as an outsider too even listening to last week's show which if folks haven't it was really really good um you know i i still am blown away that this list did as well as it did and i think that's that's got to be a kudos to to jeff but like just 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 looking at it you know it doesn't look like it has enough you know enough stuff there's stuff that people would look at this list and say that's too expensive you know that's you know it doesn't have enough damage output but clearly it it played very very well in on the on the day so yeah i'd like to break this down even more mm -hmm. and hear hear your guys opinions about it because i'm i'm sitting here looking at it like what yeah uh so so to to break his list down <clears throat> and uh go to back to 40kstats.com uh where i did not originally have his list up but uh, I, and I, I'm only doing this for um, accuracy's sake. I'm sure I could recite it by memory, but I want to be. I've, I've got it up. If you accurate. want me to. Well, there, there you go. Boom. All right. Take so we away. got a custody spearhead uh, with uh, <laughs> Jeff's custom Constantine Valdor, uh, mm -hmm. aka Trahan. 
Um, he's got uh, three Aqualon Terminators. He's got uh, Vex Magnifica. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's got uh, <laughs> the banner guy. Uh, he's got a Caladius, uh, two of them, and then a Telemann. Uh, and then he's got a Catachin Battalion with the uh, with, with the Vigilus Emperor's Wrath uh, Detachment, which is a company commander and a company commander with uh, uh, one has Grand Strategist, one has the Curve of Killa. He's got 30 troops, each each packet, sorry, 30 infantry squad dudes, packing a mortar. There we go. He's got a Wyvern. He's got a Basilisk. And then his third detachment is a Greya Battalion from uh, our Admeg friends, two Engine seer, Seers, and then uh, three by five rangers with arquebuses and omnispecs, mm-hmm. and then he's which also, are awesome. Which <laughs> the arquebus taught me a lesson at LVO, and then the uh, the assassin stratagem, obviously, to bring in uh, a X man of his choice. Yeah. <laughs> so at first glance, like this list doesn't really jump out at you to be like, oh, this list is gonna beat the crap out of me. Um, you know, it's it has. Like when I was breaking down this list, um, I loved the long range that the Cal- the Caladius and the Telamon Dreadnought have. Mm-hmm. The fact they could basically sit at the back of the board and just like shoot the crap out of you. <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, I would I would liken this to the the knight list I sort of mentioned briefly there that it has you know a couple of really big, very hard-hitting threats that will kind of hang around and do their thing, and then a bunch of fairly expendable troops to just kind of, like, hold the field and stave off defeat while the main part of the list does its work. And I think this list does very well by picking the right secondaries to, like, max out in-game. Yeah. You know, because in ITC, you want to kill something, you want to hold something, you want to kill more, hold more. This list works very well because it can go both first and second it's small yep. enough yeah. that you can kind of hide your army and go second and then get things like that kill kill more or have the ability to dictate who gets hold more at the end of every turn so going second would be very powerful for this list as well as having an invulnerable save on the tanks good ballistic skill and then the caladiuses have great speed uh, lots of tactical flexibility with some hard-hitting characters um, anti-psychic support with the Grya strat anti-character mm-hmm. sniping with the strength seven sniper rifles um, so it ha- and then of course the chaff, like the just the guardsmen that you can throw in the way of a close combat unit for a turn if you really need to, or you can use them to zone out the backfield if you really need to, or just hide in a building until you need them mm-hmm. to go grab an objective or something. Yeah, it, here's what I really yeah. love about this list is it feels like such a beatable list, like on paper and and, and when you're playing it. It feels like, okay, I just got to kill the Caladiuses, maybe I bum rush him, you know, maybe I, I don't, I, I watch out for the Terminators, but they're just three models, so I can probably zone, play around them, and then just kill troops and win. That's, it feels like a very simple game plan, and if you can't do that, you probably can beat Jeff. The thing is, is it's through a combination of, of the Caladiuses being actually really, 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 really hard to kill, like deceptively hard to kill, and Jeff also being a really experienced general... Um, you know, I, I, looking at this list, if you, if you were to see like 150 orcs, you know, go down the board and face this list, how do you think, um, the orc player would pick his secondaries and kind of like play that matchup out in an ITC mission? Oof. I would not envy that orc player. Roll well with your shock attack gun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Big uh, the shock attack gun is obviously going to be really big there because you can, if you can take those three big threats, then the rest of the list is not really that much of a danger to you. But those, none of those threats are going to be particularly easy to kill. Um, and it, Jeff's list is built in such a way that it's very hard to maximize any secondaries against him. Um, when big game, big game you, would work here. You yeah, like three big games. I guess the wyvern too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The and the Basilisk? Yes. You could max that. Just those things are going to be way at the back. It's going to take a lot to get to them. I got 60 inches. (laughs) It's not a matter of range. It's a matter of line of sight. That's fair, too. Yeah. Um, So, big game hunter, maybe. Um, Headhunter, again, maybe. He has enough characters to max it, but most of those characters are going to be fairly hard to get to. Yeah, um, yeah that would be, be like a trap. That would honestly be a trap. Like, if, most if of I the would time. Go, yeah, it, I'd be going for something like Recon, like especially because yeah. I played like Dark Eldar, so I'm in all the table quarters. Um, and then mm-hmm. against his army, he has some line of sight out of line out of line of sight shooting. So if you want to go for something like engineers, because he's going to be shooting you from far away, you yeah. have to make sure it's something tough like racks or grotesques or I, something I that think, you can just hide. I think players take engineers far more often than they should. I uh, agree. I it, think it's very dangerous against the wrong matchups. You lose. It's like an automatic like four points that you just never get. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big advantage Jeff's list has is that it is not built to a single strategy. It is kind of like a toolbox that allows him to pick and choose what he needs at a given time. Um, yep. Especially with the the various options in sniping and the assassin and kind of the mobility of his custodes elements. Um, he, he's got a lot of different things that he can do to counter different play styles, and that potentially makes it very strong. But the flip side of that is that he's not amazing at any one thing. Like, yes, yeah. the list shoots hard, but there are absolutely Eldar, Tau, and Guard lists that shoot harder. Um, Jeff is not going to win in any single phase. He's going to win by playing the game well across a variety of different phases. Yeah, it, agreed. It, one thing I was watching when he at his BAO games was he was he was winning different parts of uh, a primary mission every turn, right? So he would maybe give up kill more mm-hmm. a couple like turn one and turn two, and then when all that was left was characters and his Caladiuses and the Telamon, he'd start getting kill more. Um, but he would sacrifice his troop choices to get like hold more or to tie hold and kind of keep himself in the game. Um, and then it's a it's a it's a grindy style list. Like it, it's not a list that's gonna max out secondaries and get kill more hold more every single turn um but he he basically just plays to uh like like what's the football term the play by play take it take it play by play and one play at a time uh, one play at a time thank you val mm-hmm. you get it but yeah he he takes it one turn at a time um and kind of just looks to see whatever his opponent can give him um so it's a really interesting kind of grindy mm-hmm. list uh I, i'm sure people i people have run similar lists to this uh, that I've seen with some success. For example, Sean Sharp uh, from Relentless D runs a kind of like a Dreadnought heavy, or not Dreadnought heavy, a Dreadnought focused Dark Angel list with like Leviathan Dreadnoughts. Um, and, and really kind of like, it looks mm. kind of like an elite style list with hard to kill, tough Forge world units <laughs> and, and cheap troop choices. Um, but those kind of lists can do it well as long as, play well as long as you play kind of a grindier, cagier game. So super cool. I, I love I love lists like this list. 
Okay. Yeah. I All agree. Right, so I like lists list that don't immediately jump out at you, or, or and obviously have the uh, have the potential um, to do good things. Or I mean, that is that is a competitive advantage. Just the very fact that people might have come to the table, looked at this, and been like, "Well, what the fuck is this?" Um, you know, they that that's going to give him an already good player uh, an advantage, rather than you know parking, which he had success with in L.A. Parking a, a Castellan at the back of the table, everyone knows, you know, how that particular unit works, how it's a threat. You know, maybe they have an idea for how to approach dealing with it. Whereas with this, it's well, okay, you know. <laughs> so I think that's uh, that's uh, that's a sign of great list design. Yeah. yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said for bringing an unfamiliar list, although that is uh, by its nature kind of like a plan with a timer on it. Uh, because as soon as you bring your like wacky out of left field list that no one has ever heard of, it's going to get attention and people are going to know what it does, and then they're going to start learning how to beat it. Yeah, especially when yeah. you have like one million followers on Twitch and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's maybe has garnered some attention in that respect. Yeah, Force, well, Force some... World better send him a check. That's all I got to say. <laughs> some some oh, player yeah. somewhere's got ten hammerheads waiting to play this list. He's like, okay, I got this. Anyways. Um, it's, so next yeah. list I'm going to talk about is kind of a combo of two lists, uh, and we can also throw Don Hoson's list in there as well, um, and that's uh, Sam Henley's and Aiden Barkley's uh, Chaos list that they both did well, for, got first to take place at the Midwest Conquest GT. Um, and, and these Chaos lists are kind of, uh, they've got, they both have the three Hellforged Aerodeo Dreadnoughts, um, which um, are easily a staple now, I think you can say, uh, between Don, these two, and then some local guys here. Um, you know, doing well with these Daredeo Dreadnoughts or, or thinking about buying them. Uh, so let's go and talk about these lists. So uh, Sam's list is three Lord Discordants and a Supreme Command Detachment, um, the Flawless Host Legion, uh, one Chaos Undivided Battalion with, with a Demon Prince and a Poxbringer, two units of Nurglings, a unit of 30 Plague Bearers, a Sorcerer on a Bike, and a Purge Detachment, which we're going to talk about in a second, and a uh, Three Hellforged Daredeo Dreadnoughts with Butcher Cannon Rays, Greater Havoc Launchers, Nurgle, and Twin Heavy Bolters. And you that also is the missed list. the contorted epitome that he Excuse keeps me, in the, the demon contorted epitome. I apologize. Um, I was actually pretty good unit too. What? The That's the new one of the new Slanesh. Um, it, the portal thing. Yeah. Yeah. Contorted that, uh, epitome. Yes. Yeah, it's it, it, like, the best name of anything I've heard in years. <laughs> It, that's the terrain piece that um, or I'm sorry. Nope, you're thinking no, the, the uh, fane. The contorted epitome is the the portal with the two like snake daemonettes holding it up on tentacles. Okay, then oh, I yeah. actually don't know what it does. Um, it absorbs mortal wounds from spells. It casts a couple spells of its own, and if anything tries to fall back within six inches of it, they have to test leadership on three d six. Oh, that they one. stay where they are. Okay. That's pretty good, and then yeah, its its big gimmick is um, sucking up spell casting, which is useful against the the mirror match with the enemy thousand suns, um, and stopping things from falling back, which can really the ruin the day of like a tower guard player. I see. Um, so so let's go ahead and talk about this list. Uh, th these are the three Lord Discordance is something. Um, that I've seen a lot more, of more people bring, but Aiden Barkley, for example, didn't run three Lord Discordants. 
Um, he actually brought uh, two Hellforged Contemptor Dreadnoughts and three Hellforged Zerdeo Dreadnoughts, but he brought something similar to the Lord Discordance in the three Helldrakes that he uses to just run down the field, and I imagine do the same thing that Sam's Lord Discordance do for him this in terms is, of... This is Don's list? They kind of the, These are do. two different lists. Okay. So, so Aiden yeah, Barkley's it's... list... It's got uh, a purge attachment again, um, with one Lord Discordant, two Hellforged Contemptor Dreadnoughts with conversion beam cannons, um, which I'm sure Jim Vessel can attest to are pretty good. Uh, three Hellforged Jarajaya Dreadnoughts with the, the normal pro loadout, um, an airwing detachment with Black Legion airwing detachment with three Helldrakes, and then a mis- mixed faction, or I'm sorry, a Zinch Battalion with a Demon Prince, a second Lord Discordant, which I just found, and a three Brimstone Horror units to round it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so these lists they they play around the idea of uh, obviously threat overload. Uh, you know, you've got these Lord Discordants or Heldrakes or X Demon Prince or whatever you want to throw down at your opponent that your opponent has to deal with. And these really tough units. Um, I've so far I've not seen more than two Lord Discordants killed in a single turn. Um, they are very very tough to kill. Uh, and in the meantime, the Hellforged Zeradano Dreadnoughts are extremely good at just killing things. Just period. The, the, well, they the, shoot things. The yeah, purge, the, you know, makes the, them like really efficient. Yeah, and they can shoot into combat. Yeah, so what's up with crazy. Purge, guys? What, what's yeah. up with the purge? So if you if they shoot um, a unit that I believe has suffered a wound, they yeah. reroll hit rolls right against them. Yes, not bad. Uh, so it's all like, hit rolls. So yes. so it's you, the good the good hit rolls. Yeah, it's call hit rolls. <laughs> Yeah, Cole and Black Legion hit rolls, like uh, Abaddon hit rolls. And yes. then you, and then they can shoot into combat. So if you have like one of your Dreadnoughts, you know, one of the best strategies against Dreadnoughts is to tie them up in combat. But you have this giant Derodeo Dreadnought that can l- just shoot into its own combat, which... What kind of psychopaths are these purge people? <laughs> it, it can't shoot into its own combat. Oh, it okay. But another one else's. can... Okay. Right. Yes, yeah. so one of them it can, can shoot be shot into another out of combat by one of its buddies. But, but two buddies can like yes. cover each other. So the two yeah. Hellforged Contemptor Dreadnoughts can just yep. turn around and shoot all the like termagants at their feet or whatever. Um, the, yeah. the other thing I saw people using this was they would they would move the plague bear unit of plague bears up. The plague bears would tie up mm. whatever unit they wanted to tie up, and then the butcher cannon, the Hellforged Dreadnoughts, like, okay, I'm just going to shoot this unit that can't move. And this unit's yeah. meanwhile just being flooded by plague bears, so it can't move at all. So it can't go into cover, or can't haul op in an objective. Um, and you can kind of take your time with killing the unit, the plague bears, you know, smothered up. Kind of like a python, a chaotic python, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also can do the yeah, same thing the, with obviously Lord the, Discord. The Dare Days so are. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, the, the Dare Days are just fantastically efficient shooting. Uh, strength 8, AP 1, damage 2 is exactly the stat line you want against most stuff, um, bar the rare 2-up armor save units out there. Um, and the fact that you can get that plus 1 to hit against Fly with a natural ballistic skill of 2 means that it can chew up Eldar Flyers pretty effectively as well. Well, not only the other Flyers, but those, like, Don Hoosen goes on and on about how the Helldrakes are, like, the secret source oh, in his yeah. list. Um, you know, because they also have bonuses to hit flies especially in combat mm-hmm. um where they get like plus one to hit combine that with the the lord discordant for an additional plus one to hit and you've got like these very good harassment move 30 inches and still charge like units that can like 
do some work, tie up things before they get to the dreadnoughts, get line breaker points, objectives, harass small backfield objective units, um, while the whole time you're trying to kill these giant dreadnoughts that are going to shoot the hell out of your army. However, these little, you know, everybody has told you that hell drakes suck, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so many threats that you can't really get to do kill the Helldrakes because you have to kill everything else and then the Helldrakes are the ones that are doing the most harassment in the army. Yeah, yeah the, the Helldrakes are an excellent disruption unit because they are so fast and they can flame one thing with a multi-damage good AP flamer and then charge something else. They can jump out of combat. They, they can heal themselves. Characters. Yeah, they heal so they're hard to yeah. break down. Like, the fundamental plan here is actually very simple. It lays a whole bunch of very tough vehicles down on the field and asks if you have enough to kill it. Because a lot of lists don't these days. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the choices, the specific vehicles in question is actually very interesting because, like, Obviously, Lord Discordants are quite good, uh, but the Helldrakes really only become good when you have the other units to support them. Yeah. So, boom. That was that was a mic drop right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, focusing on Sam's list again, um, another cool thing is, is he's got a Demon Prince of Chaos, which which is really good at killing things down to one wound. Uh, haha, Jim Vessel. Um, that's the corn demon prince, and then he's also got a sorcerer on the bike to kind of like pick off random little things. So he does have that mobile character feel, um, which can really tie a list together, especially a list like this that that wants to be all over the board. Um, when you're picking against this list, it, big game hunters kind of an obvious you know pick, but I also feel like it's a bit of a trap uh, mm -hmm. because Hellforge Zeradojo nuts are actually deceptively tough to kill. Uh, they and, are, but you have to, or you lose. Yeah, yes and no. Um, <clears throat> I I think that there you definitely have to, but you will give up a lot to kill these Daredeo dreadnoughts. Um, because I don't know how easy it is to kill the just the three Lord Discordants alone combined with everything else, while the Hellforge Daredeo dreadnoughts are killing the things that maybe can take out the Lord Discordants. Um. It's just it 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 feels like a tough list to pick secondaries against. So so Sean, if you were playing this list with um either your Tau Elder list or a list that you were playing at a tournament, maybe the one that you took to the Bao, what, mm -hmm. what secondaries would you pick against this list? Uh, I think Big Game Hunter would be a relatively easy pick here. Um, okay. The three Lord Discordants must die. You can't leave those alive. And you should be able to pick up at least one other monster or vehicle from the list. Uh, so you can max that one out relatively easily if you don't get tabled. Um, Beyond that, it does get a little trickier. Um, I try to build all my lists so that recon is an option, uh, especially with all the the flyers. Uh, that should be relatively achievable. So that's kind of like your null pick on the third one. Um, beyond that, um, I don't recall how many wounds Contorted Epitome has, but that is his Warlord. Uh, and I believe that is worth full Kingslayer. So I would probably go for that because it is a model that both needs to move forward in order to do its job, but at the same time is not particularly well protected. Um, you know, it's just got a five up invuln and not really anything beyond that. So it's relatively feasible to snipe that out or to uh, just like run an airplane or something up on it and kill it off. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Uh, and then from there, um, you, you 
I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about your Eldar list or just any list in general? That would be the Eldar list. The Tau list, it almost doesn't matter. You just Tau will generally just pick something that they can max out by killing the enemy um, because their plan all along is to kill everything on the field anyways. Um, so if I were playing a, a Tau list against this, uh, I would certainly be taking Big Game Hunter and... I don't know, maybe uh, Kingslayer, maybe Headhunter, because he does actually have quite a few characters. I think there are like five or six, I guess even something like that. Um, but um, you're intending to just blast everything off the table anyways. So your choice of secondaries is a lot less tricky than it would be for some other armies. No, about Scary or Hef? Sorry. No, I um, was, you was... cut out there for a second. So, what about what about you, Scary or or Val? What about um, picking secondaries for this, or maybe just the, how your list would match up against this list? Um, my uh, so I'll, I guess I'll, I'll I'll go. My list right now doesn't have as much anti tank as I'm used to. Mm. So the way I would play against this would be doing things that wouldn't really require me to kill much stuff. So of course, recon is like a big one for me, um, you know, uh, because of his lack of uh, objective secured, I might even consider something like ground control if there was good enough line of sight blocking terrain. Mm. And I would probably live the entire game on the second floor of ruins and buildings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm, so that, <laughs> I'm actually a little curious, uh, Skari. How do you rate uh, behind enemy lines and King of the Hill and some of the other positional secondaries? Like, would you ever take those over to round control? Or... I... The one I have taken is behind enemy lines because it's something that, especially with my style of list, you can get relatively easily and you can swarm the backfield to have enough units back there to score it. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that I've noticed is in order for you to score it properly, you have to make sure the game goes to six turns. Like, you have yeah. to make sure the game goes. And that's one of the biggest things I find with, like, the... Like, recon is fine. You can get that from turn one. So even if, like, you don't get it in a turn and, like, you're running out of time on the clock or whatever, you know, you can get it by turn four or five if you're mm -hmm. trying every single turn. But something like behind enemy lines uh, or even... Um, you know, and that's one of the reasons why ground control can be really powerful is if you're running out of time, you can kind of score all those points on like turn four, right? True. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And 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 that's why like it's it's not a bad choice against that style list, depending on like the deployment style, for example, mm -hmm. and how fast your army is. But you have to make sure that if you pick a secondary that requires you to do things over multiple turns, that you are playing every single turn, or you're going to miss out on points. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That is yep. definitely kind of put me off behind enemy lines because it can be very difficult to get into the enemy DZ on like turn two and start racking those points up. Yeah, and K Kingslayer's really feels like a fringe secondary that you occasionally will bust out. And King of the Hill, specific, you mean? Yeah, I'm sorry, King of the Hill. The I have, specific I have, if, if I, it, yeah, against specific matches, but only if there would be decent amount of terrain in the middle of the board and if I was going second, yeah. you mm -hmm. know, or like, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Or, or like... I would want to go second because it's at the end of the of the battle round. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the only the time definitely I ever picked... feels kind of too difficult for its reward. Yeah, yeah, if you had like a bunch of MSU though. Now the biggest thing there is you can't really split it with um, recon or like you know what I mean. So yeah. you can, right? You, no, um, no, you cannot. 
you, so the same any, units can't so, qualify for both. Yeah, yeah, they, exactly. I, yeah, they can't. So you would need you would need six units. Exactly. Uh, so you need so, all the units to get recon in addition to the units you need to put in the middle of the board. Where normally, if you want to get an easy recon, you make sure you have a couple of units in the middle of the board anyway. But they're getting you like recon points. Yeah. So so um one thing I have noticed. Uh, with trending with with these kind of lists because uh, we've got chaos players that are running similar lists down here uh, and I've been running a lot of infiltrators um, so I have been selecting King of the Hill more than the average person hmm. if you have like a, a, an enclosed ruin in the center of the board or a ruin that's that has a second level in the center of the board you can just play lava monster with the um, infiltrators the space marine the eliminators, sorry, the snipers that can shoot out of line of sight. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so, but those are the only units I've ever had success with King of the Hill with, and that's because they could literally stay in the middle of the board, not get charged by anything in my opponent's army, pick off little characters, and then score me King of the Hill, and then recon afterwards um, when I got yeah. done scoring my King of the Hill points. So, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, but that's it. It's very niche. Um, mm-hmm. Val, did you want to add anything else to this? Um, yeah, actually, the, the list that I'm currently running actually carries a lot of, um, you know, tools for dealing with anti-tank things, um, and also at range. So obviously, I'm still running 15 Ludas. I'm still running. Uh, I was running, uh, you know, triple shock attack guns. Um, so just from a general killing stuff perspective, I think uh, trying to use use the. I think there would be an edge on range for the most part. How far does the Daredeo probably has a long range? Does it not? I think it's 48. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that wouldn't work. I think I think terrain also plays heavily because um, the one of the linchpin units that I have is uh, obviously I've been playing mega knobs and they're you know mm. very good in getting into enclosed ruins, uh, places to hide from which they can then uh, counter punch or go out and trap something like this. And they would eat a lot of these units once they got in there. The problem is the um, results after that. <laughs> so uh, it would it would be uh, kind of a cat and mouse game just trying to hide oh. from some of the stuff until you can get in there. It's actually only 36. There you go. So depending on, on the deployment length, I would try and use range because I, uh, I would at least have a little bit of outranging on this and um, try not to expose too many grots to instant uh, kill more points because it would just <laughs> nuke all of that stuff. Um, so try and hide as best I can. Try and go second, I would think. Um, and, uh, and just be cagey against it. And I would be going for things like, um, um, uh, big, uh, big game hunter against mm-hmm. this list for sure. Cause I definitely have the tools to do that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I, I think that that's the last list that I have, um, on, in my show notes. Do you guys want to add any other lists that you wanted to talk about? I'm feeling pretty satisfied. Not really. I think, uh, you know, there's lots of different ways you can sort of find lists that are doing well in the ITC. Pablo, you have uh, the info of where they can go? Yeah, so if you can actually go to two different places. Um, I suggest going to both to get the full, complete coverage. You can go to 40kstats.com where our very own Falcon, Peter, uh, runs basically the show in in the 40k stats world. Um, he has the top four lists for every... Uh, ITC major event, although I think he has non-ITC events too. And when I mean ITC event, I don't mean ITC format events. I mean events that are within the ITC as a whole, which can also be mission format. Yeah, they they have different non-ITC mission formats. So that's what I mean. Um, He has the top fours there. He also has uh, stats that you can look at and stuff. And then you can also go to Best Ghost Pairings best ghost pairings download the bcp player app get a subscription and that gets you access to every single list 
in their database in tournaments. Pairings, look at all the good stuff. You've got some local tournaments if you want to check out a local scene and do some scouting. You can see what the players have been running there if you're going to that area and you want to do well. So yeah, check um, that out. I, I definitely just want to second that part. Uh, BCP has added a lot of really nice features. Uh, it is You can search lists by uh, events or by f- uh, the format or by uh, the uh, army type now. You also can search lists by area. Uh, and search events by area. So if, like Paula said, if you're looking to like going travel someplace and you want to find out what the local meta is like, then you can just find out what tournaments have been happening there and how people are doing at them. Uh, it is a really great tool, and they've definitely come a long way with it. I picked up subscription about a year ago and have never looked back on it. Yeah, and and that's what Sean and I are doing for the Throne of War GT in Hawaii and Honolulu, Hawaii, and also the Boise Cup. So you guys better watch out. We are doing our homework. I mean, I won't pretend I haven't. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, so it's super cool for, for checking out those lists. And, I, and you know, we, didn't, we probably didn't talk about the list that you specifically wanted to talk about. I'm sure there are tons of people who want us to talk of, break down every single list. We obviously don't have the time. However, th- this is a very e- easy exercise for you um, to do at home uh, on your spare time. You know, find a couple lists, either a list that you want to play against or a list that you're having a hard time with, and just figure out how they win the game in an ITC missions or any mission, but we're talking ITC missions specifically um, for this episode. So just, you know, break down what secondaries they would, you think you would pick against them, what secondaries they might want to pick against you if they can, um, you know, what their primary mission kind of outlook looks like. Are they, do they have a lot of units that they'll give up early and then not so much anymore? So will they give up kill more early? And, you know, it's just, think about it like that it, it's a good thought process it, it's something to always consider um you know I've, I've always found a lot of value in pretending like i'm about to face up face up you know square and get up against a list like that you know i find online so yeah, yeah. Super cool. i i think that like going through that exercise in advance adds a lot because then you're you don't have those like last minute jitters it's like oh i've done this before i i know what how this goes and you know maybe you get surprised still because that can obviously still happen but uh if you've at least gone through the exercise and you kind of know how it works in your mind then you have a starting place yeah yeah all right so uh, that that's definitely going to round out the episode uh, every week at the end of the ep- every episode we go through patreon questions um so if you sign up at patreon.com slash chapter tactics uh you can go into our facebook group and you can ask us questions which we will answer at the end of every episode sometimes they pertain to the topic sometimes they don't who knows <laughs> anyways uh mr dylan wants to know what's up with these dark horse necron lists randomly popping up near the top of events uh, I mean, Necrons as a codex aren't nearly as bad as people think. They have a lot of the right tools, and especially since some of their worst matchups have kind of like gone the way of the dodo, uh, they are becoming a lot scarier. Um, if you haven't like seen a Necron list that has fully buffed Tesla shooting into a big unit of like orcs or something, it's horrifying. They put it out in a lot of firepower. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely very scary, you know, and uh, and you've they've got the speed that you need, they've got mm-hmm. the resiliency that you need. Uh, it's just they don't they a lot of people try and play them like a like a hammer, whereas Necrons are not supposed to be played like a hammer. At least that's not how they play right now. Yeah, yeah. 
they they are very formulaic too. The um the ones I've been seeing that have been successful have like three doom sites, a large unit of tomb blades with Tesla, um immortals like like Sean said, uh and then probably doomsday arcs and mm-hmm. uh whatever whatever other flavor of the month they want to throw in. Um yeah, it's it's it's, or, it's a pretty yeah. mono build right now, which is kind of unfortunate for them. Um but that said, it is a mono build that definitely can win tournaments yes absolutely all right um so uh nick wants to know what in your opinions is the most diverse army and then he clarified this um what he means is what armies can cover the most phases and play styles and so by army he i I believe he means factions i'm so i'm i don't know i just want to say that i'm really happy that there's i think a lot of answers to this yes i I, I think uh i think that's one of the beautiful things about where the game is now because I mean, I could rattle off. I mean, there's probably more exceptions than there are. Um, yeah, I was, than, I was just about aren't. to say, why don't we just talk about the armies that like, aren't Tau very diverse, like, like Tau. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, Tau, Necrons, yeah. a handful of the other books that basically only have uh, like a small number. But even like Tau for as like, yeah, they only play the shooting game. There are like three or four Tau build that have a significant claim on being the best army right now. And there's more and more that are popping up, you know, with yes. the addition of like these hazard suits coming mm-hmm. into the meta right now. Sure. And Hammerheads. the crazy hammerhead devilfish spam that's uh, that I've seen a couple of, yeah. you know, so it's either, you know, nine riptides. <laughs> or three riptides, oh, sorry, nine broadsides, or three oh. riptides, or sniper drones, or no sniper drones, or 40 shield drones, or it's, there's a lot of variety within the top lists, so it yeah. is very hard to pinpoint exactly what's going to be good you, or not. You yeah. said nine I, riptides, and I flashed back to seventh edition. <laughs> <seconds>. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to, like, you know. No, no, in a good way. Know. I was a towel player. No, no, get away oh, from no. me. That was terrible. <laughs> I, I will say, Nick, that uh, mono faction, pure blood angels, and gray knights lists Oof. are not very diverse. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're very existent. I've seen some crazy blood angel lists, though. They're sure. all different. Like, one of the ones that I saw this weekend that went four and one at an event um was like 15 death company mm-hmm. 10 10 sanguinary guard and like a chaplain dreadnought from forge world and then a bunch of just like random characters and like six units but, of scouts but see that's not a very diverse list by nick's nick's definition of diverse which is they can cover the most phases and play styles that is one play style no, well, it had shooting. It had uh, close combat. It had psychic support. Vampires. Okay. Vampires. Right. It had vampires. Fair enough. Yeah. You have pre-game. You have pre-game movement shenanigans with like you know forlorn fury or whatever. You've got mm-hmm. your redeployment with the wings of fire. Like there's a lot of diversity in that blood angel list. You can use it in a whole bunch of different phases of the okay. game. All right. Well, I give up. You know what, Nick? <laughs> you know what, Nick? They're all diverse. Let's just say that the, throw some the, darts. The game here is the game right now is probably the healthiest it's been I since I've been playing. Easy. Absolutely, um, especially now that Inari are dead, it just feels good. You know? It's not dead; it's just reborn. Uh, Inari, uh, as we knew it, are dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. As we knew them for the last three years, are are, are 
deceased. This is a topic for an, you're gonna start making yeah. me ramble, Uh-oh. Pablo. Okay, yeah, I was gonna right, say right. we can't we can't get in on Yanari or else I'm pretty sure either me or Scarry's gonna end up dead. Tune into the most recent uh, episode of the Normal Blokes, um, or pretty much any other podcast that has been playing recently, where you can hear Scarry. Uh, talk, but on the normal blokes, you actually go uh, pretty deep on different cool stuff. Uh, Yanari can do. I really liked it. Okay, thank and, you. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, that was it. The rest of the questions all pertained to the topic, and we answered them all in the episode. Nice. All that's right, a, that's great. Thank you. Send more questions, Pablo's way. He loves reading them. I actually do love reading. It's Jeff who doesn't yeah. love reading them. So send more <laughs> Jeff specific <laughs> questions to us, even on episodes he is not. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll make sure to ping him in the middle of a StarCraft game, you know, asking, you know, patron wants to know sure this question, very Jeff. broad, generalized <laughs> questions uh-huh. uh, with, with uh, no real uh, quantifiable answer. And Jeff will just tee up and knock you out of the park. It'll be great. Beautiful. Great. Okay. So um, uh, if you haven't caught on, the Throne of the War GT in Honolulu, Hawaii is going to spo- it did sponsor this episode. So big shout out to them. Also big shout out to the guys over at the Boise Cup uh, where we will be in attendance or Sean and I will be in attendance yeah. um, along with multiple members of Relentless D. Both tournaments are happening at the end of this month uh, where the Throne of War GT is happening the weekend before the last weekend and then the Boise Cup is happening the very last weekend of the month. So look for that. Look for that coverage. Should be an absolute blast. I do plan on live streaming at both events. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, and they're both giving out some very cool attendance prizes as well as raffle stuff, it sounds oh, like. Oh, absolutely. So so I, I do need to pimp this out because it's so cool. So the Throne of War GT, they're giving out these six-sided dice that have the deployments with the measurements that. on yeah. the sides. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, every single time, I, I just can't seem to memorize them. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, I've tried... But every single time, my opponent's like, oh, do you have a rule book? And I go, no. And then we all... 15 and a half, 21 <laughs> <you know? laughs> and a half? Uh, not, not that, but the, the, the roll of D6 to see which deployment we're using. is great. Uh, no, like, no one remembers that. I know most of them at this point, but it's been a struggle. <sighs> yeah, it, it would just be easier to go roll the die, yeah. point at it, and that is what we're playing. Yeah. Done. It, that's, it's simple. That, that, that is probably going to be the best thing I get out of that whole experience. Absolutely not, and, and he's going to to sunny Honolulu, Hawaii. That yeah. is, that, that's show like you how cool those dice are. <laughs> All right, um, Sean is uh, translucent. If you want to check out more Scar, if you love the the gentleman Archon, uh, Scar, where can they find you? In the dark city. Just look for me in the tallest spire. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Scardcast. S K A R E D. C-A-S-T on YouTubes. And from there, you can go to all the different links and just stay up to date with positive gaming hobby community. He you also re- has a Patreon. Sign I do, yes. I do. The next uh, Patreon... Actually, it was really funny because one of the first times I ever talked about it was with you, Pablo. Mm-hmm. And thanks to you, and we got to that first goal and I ended up dressing up like a Harlequin, which is really fun. It's great. Yes. Videos um, up on there too. Yeah, the video was there. I took lots of pictures. And the next one, I'll actually be able to hire someone to edit videos, which will be great. Oh, Ooh, man. That's a I got to say, in, in general, Scary, I mean, the, the switch to full time has seen such a like, I mean, not to say the content wasn't good before, but just the, uh, I guess, production quality has really come up. I love all the uh, stuff you've been doing with intros and transitions, like just really making a fully fleshed out page. So congrats on 
on all the, well, all the stuff. Yeah, thanks. I, I actually great. can't take any credit for that. That was all Damien, <laughs> a Patreon from the UK, who was like, here's a bunch of graphics. I was like, that is awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah, and uh, we definitely definitely support Scary. Um, if if you don't support this podcast, uh, Scarcast, or any other, uh, I do highly recommend so supporting your favorite forty k cast. Um, it, it's becoming more and more of a reality of people being able to make this their living. Um, you know, and, and that's that's super cool, right? Because we don't want burger flippers and pencil pushers in our community. We want forty k community leaders. I, I'm just joking. Don't quit your J jobs if you have one. Yeah, no, too late. It's tough. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Handed in my notice. Yep. Let's do this. Is, uh, <laughs> speaking from experience, what Scar is doing is very tough. All right, uh, and that's it, guys. Thank you so much for the love and support. You guys are the best listeners in the world. Whoa. And as always, well, well, all have just cause, just because we got we got big swinging <laughs> big Scarry on the podcast doesn't mean that. Okay. I don't have stuff to plug. First of all, Scary, there's a tournament that we're doing. Oh, I know. <laughs> in in Toronto, Canada, really close to Toronto, Canada, actually, a place called Mississauga. Anyway, it is a very awesome right now already. GT, it is TGX. You can get tickets at tabletopgamingx.com. That's tabletopgamingx.com, and you can come out and uh, play in. in uh, I, I am the GTA super excited one. for that one. It's super sweet. Super excited. Um, you know, there's a there's a Adepticon style team event on the Friday, mm-hmm. and there's a the GT like the or the major is going to be on the weekend. And I am I'm actually I believe it's going to be streamed on the Scardcast Twitch page Ooh. if we can get the connection to be strong enough, which is they've asked to be upgraded for the weekend. So that's great. Oh, fabulous! Uh, so yeah, so. It, I should have it on a stream. Like we'll have a table, we'll have stream games. I'll be I'll be shoutcasting. I'm not actually playing at the event. I'll be oh. shoutcasting the whole event. So that'll be really fun. You should, you should oh. have a rogue a rogue uh, cameraman with on Facebook Live. I'm uh, I'm I'm actually finding a way. I found a way to make my phone a uh, camera on OBS, which means that we'll have mm. a live action camera going around while we're streaming live. By, by the way, really that fun. is some neat dark. Eldar technology right there because that is stuff <laughs> even professional you know you can only figure it out place. by uh, going to the black library and typing it into Google that's, that's exactly <laughs> how you do it uh, um, and then uh, <laughs> also also TGX has a number of game systems uh, we've got uh, Age of Sigmar there is a, a, a qualifier event for some game uh, War Machine or something uh, but also really cool if you're a fan Lord of the Rings, huge Lord of the Rings community in uh, Southern Ontario. It was massive last year. It was massive. huge and so cool. So if you like Lord of the Rings, get on up to Canada and check it out. Uh, and also, Scary is uh, casting this because uh, he's never actually played in TGX, one of, the, one of the few Canadian tournaments he hasn't won, aside from Barry Bash. And uh, that's because he's T.O. and old Val Hef. He'll be, he'll be holding the reins um, and, uh, and T.O.ing things and uh, making sure you all have a good time. So uh, really, really excited for it. And... Um, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Also, la- one more plug because you're trying to add. look who's prolonging the show now. This guy. <laughs> one more plug. Stat Center, 40k Stat Center, which was previewed a couple weeks back, uh, is uh, I think ready to go. Uh, we're 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 green lighting ourselves, um, and uh, thanks to the support of, of Pablo, other members of this team, as well as uh, Frontline Gaming itself, I think our first debut episode will be next week. Uh-oh. And me and the Falcon will be soaring high, so uh, look forward to that content. And uh, we're gonna have some uh, some coverage. I know Beef and Wing is next weekend. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff, and Pablo's never gonna go to bed because I'm not gonna shut up. 
<laughs> and <laughs> if you're not plugged in already, where can you find Abuse Puppy? Um, in the finest hour, either on Facebook or on our podcast on Podbean uh, and most other services since it kind of gets echoed across there. Uh, and we have a Patreon and whatnot as well for those who want to support what we're doing. We just did an episode on Knights for any of you who may have been struggling with that faction. We have some good tips on how to beat them in the ITC there. I want to say I've been listening to In the Finest Out and I'm really enjoying like the format quick well, easy to digest straight to the point you know you guys uh, talk about relevant information that's really important for somebody who's trying to improve their game like specifically um within the topic that you touch on and i like it so yeah, i've yeah. been i've been enjoying i've been enjoying the podcast yeah, Absolutely. I'm glad that was that was really our goal at the beginning was we wanted to have a podcast that was very concise and applicable to people who wanted to learn the game. Yeah. Uh, so and as always, uh, signing off, hopefully for reals now. Thank and you. And another thing. <laughs> Mega knobs, man. Have a good one, guys. <laughs> Bye.